our mind continuously does this. We create and perceive our world simultaneously, and our mind does this so well that we don't even know what's happening. How? We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their subconscious. How could I ever acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality? Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You, you never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Where are you right now? We're dreaming? Stay calm. Expensive airfare and pesky viruses ruining your summer trip plans? Don't worry, for less than $5, you can visit Nirvana using psychedelics. Welcome, everybody, to Nick's Nonfiction here with your host, Open Micer Nick Muniz. Today on the show, we have the one and only Timothy Leary's The Psychedelic Experience, a manual based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That pesky old thousand year book, The Bible of the Buddhists teaches you what happens after dead. They're not trying to make a tithe off of you. They're letting all the secrets out, baby. Are you having cell phone-induced anxiety and tired of Henry Ford's 40-hour work week? The following medications could be right for you. Mushrooms, acid, DMT, ayahuasca, salvia, mescaline, MDMA, ibogaine, cannabis, meditation, yoga. Side effects may include liberation, illumination, enlightenment, or self-actualization. Do not call a doctor, for these are the goals of the human experience. For more information, stay tuned and hold Timothy Leary's hand through the textbook Psychedelic Trip. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our disclaimer. We are going deep as you can go today, deeper than the edges of the universe and beyond. Are you ready to take a trip? This is a little rinser from learning about the machine last month. That is the decaying state of America. <laughs> There's a reason these chemicals are illegal, ladies and gentlemen. For millions of years, through decaying empires and democracies here and there, we have been piecing together the secret of the human condition. And the Tibetan Book of the Dead is one of the best bets we've got. And we've got that thousand-pager condensed today into three bardos. Timothy Leary takes us through the major plot points of the psychedelic journey. Let's learn a little bit about the author before we take this life-altering trip with him. Timothy Leary. That is a name that'll be in American textbooks forever. This guy is a Harvard psychologist. We did not find a hobo under a bridge to be the spokesman for the psychedelic community. Timothy Leary was a teacher at the most renowned university in America, Harvard. On top of professing, professing his faith, being a professor, he was an author, obviously, psychonaut, therapist, psychiatrist, with ties to the CIA. And we will get there. But he had a weird life, as you could tell already. He has several World War II service medals. Wife committed suicide, leaving him with two toddlers while he was away at war. 
Imagine that eight veterans kill themselves a day in the United States of America, and now their wives are beating them to the punch. <laughs> in uh, 1963, Timothy Leary and Ram Dass, you've heard that name, but that guy has like Netflix specials on leaving your body. <laughs> He's done it many times before. He actually just died this past year. But Leary and Ram Dass were teaching together at Harvard, and they both got kicked out for dealing acid to the kids. Some of their projects included the Concord Prison Experiment, and I mentioned this last show on our last Consciousness show. They were able to, Timothy Leary, in like 80 double-blind placebo cases in this Concord Prison Experiment, they were able to cure lifelong alcoholism and smoking addictions with hallucinogens. And they also have been able to reframe the mentality of prisoners. The normal recidivism rate, you go back to jail 75% of the time. That's... Most people don't, quote, learn their lesson. Timothy Leary is teaching the best lessons you can. He is quoted saying mushrooms are the best teacher. It bought that 75% recidivism rate down to 25. Magic chemicals we're talking about today. And I mean, at this time, LSD wasn't even scheduled. This is, it was legal to be doing all this. Why was it made illegal? We know from the show Albert Hoffman was the crazy Swiss scientist who synthesized LSD for the first time, but psilocybin has been the stoned ape theory. We have been using these chemicals since we were cavemen, and they have proposed theory that is where human language came out of. After Hoffman came Leary, and he was traveling around with the dead, the Grateful Dead, the electric Kool-Aid acid test, taking buses around America and dosing people all over the place. He was turning on more minds than anything. They said, like, the synthesis of the atom bomb came about the same time of LSD, and they called it the atom bomb for your mind. He's credited with waking people up. They have better names for it back then. Timothy Leary coined in the 60s when he was traveling around the country that catchphrase, turn on, tune in, drop out. And at the end, the third bardo is all about set and setting for your trips. So he's laying out the best possible trip. He's not trying to get you lost in hyperspace. This is going to take you all the way to the furthest galaxies in the cosmos and then put you back on your couch. Leary's the best travel agent for your June trip. During the late 60s and early 70s, he was arrested enough times to see 36 prisons around the world, and Richard Nixon considered Timothy Leary as one of the most dangerous men in America. That's not a good thing when the POTUS, the most powerful man in the world, knows your name as a criminal. He was doing, you know, ideas are much more destructive to an empire than warfare, this is why the powers that be were seeing him as a threat, as a rogue agent. In 69, Leary actually ran against Reagan for governor of California. His slogan was, come together, join the party. He's using all the pop culture to get himself elected, and no wonder Reagan doesn't like him. Just making enemies from the beginning. One of those 36 times he was in prison, this one was... um because Reagan had somebody plant a roach on him, just like the butt of a joint, and the cops pulled him over, and for a fee of $25,000 they set his bail at. And it was paid by the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. You might have heard about these guys. It's like a Freemasons for psychedelia. They were able to smuggle him out of the prison, like El Chapo style. 
And then in the 70s is when he's off the streets. He starts getting into writing, even more dangerous, putting those ideas down onto paper. He wrote mostly about transhumanism and the impending singularity. When you take in high doses of these things, it shows you the potential and likely merge of man and machine that we see happening. And then Leary wound up his uh, later years of his life, 76 to 96. He lived in Laurel Canyon, which we know has many deep, dark ties to the deep state. A lot of the film industry is there. It's where you hear of Jim Morrison's dad working out of the uh, Winona Ryder's Godfather. And she was in like a couple Dan Aykroyd films, you know. Leary's got ties. No one spends 20 years in Laurel Canyon if you're not doing work with a history like that. At the end of his life, he considered himself, Leary, a touring stand-up philosopher. He's making his own lanes. This book, again, it is a translation, a manual, based on the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And in Indian, that translates to liberation by hearings of the afterplane of death. So this is like near-death experiences put into writing. This is years, fucking centuries, of humans passing down stories verbally and it being put onto paper on what we think happens after death. The biggest mystery we are hypothesizing on what goes down today. So instead of chapters, Timothy Leary has bardos for us set up. We're taking it a step up today. Before we take the trip, we got a little intro and then, of course, a little reintegration on the back end that we're going to have to go through. So let's kick this show off with the intro. This section, it is going to be most important to have an open mind during because you are just as much unlearning as you are learning. Unless you are already a self-actualized, enlightened, floating guru, then just tell me to shut up at any point or listen for the reaffirmations. Makes a brain feel good either way. A lot of misconceptions, as we know on the show here, science delusion, conscious just a couple weeks ago. The conventional science will have to be unlearned if you want to go beyond science. Leary started with sleep, something that every single human does. You can't avoid it. You've probably had a dream in your life, hopefully. Sleep is a very different type of consciousness than being awake, which is another different type of consciousness from when you're dreaming. Another book we read on the show, Why We Sleep, when you are in REM sleep, there's DMT in your brain. You are on this astral plane, as the Indians are referring to it as. Every single human does it, and we nobody's come up to, nobody's gotten a solution yet out of the 7 billion people. Leary describes a psychedelic trip as a journey to a new realm of consciousness, a realm that you don't have access to during the day or when you're not dreaming. It's a different state of consciousness when you're daydreaming as to when you're rationally, critically thinking. You are going to be getting heavy Inception vibes from the show today. I might use that for the intro video. A lot of good monologues from that one, any Christopher Nolan movie. So just like sleep... The scope and context of the experience is unlimited, so it's going to be hard to put a scope around it. It's like when they say the universe is this big, that's the observable universe. There's a lot more unobservable points to this that it's going to be hard to talk about, so you got your trusty host today with you. Point is, just like the sleeping is another realm of consciousness, you might be able to go to another universe in our multiverse where the physics might be different. Yogis call it dropping your body. In the West, we call it the breakthrough experience. Christians call it meeting the white light. 
the scope of these ideas is beyond language. Thomas Hobbes says you're not able to communicate ideas if you're not sharing the same language. That's why you have to have Timothy Leary translate the Tibetan Book of the Dead so all of our converging reality tunnels can try to make sense. One of the crazy things about these drugs is um, like a lab rat. If you give a lab rat Viagra, he's going to get the same boner with the same dosage. If you take 15 milligrams of DMT this time and then a week later, you could wind up in two totally different places in hyperspace. There is no one reaction to these chemicals. That's what make them so hard to talk about. The scope so moving. It's like a sniper trying to put your zooming on every guy across the multiverse. Just pull the trigger on one. You have to be able to scope in to be able to share the language, as Hobbes would say, to be able to discuss these things. So we're going to be using words like trippy and woke today, but you understand the aura behind those words. Leary says, every explorer has their own map of the world. This was uh, like written in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. They were like, we have no idea what the Earth looks like. We all think it's flat or some shit. Every single time one of the Indian explorers take a boat out onto the ocean, they are bringing their own map that they drew. Just like we didn't have time until a couple hundred years ago, time was like bought into the towns by the church. They were like, this is a clock. Now you guys have to obey this shit. Maps are completely subjective. So it's not until we put these words, these universal terms and definitions on things that they become solid. That's the consensus of truth. Sorry to get heavy. That's a deep, tough philosophy in the intro here. What this book should be used for, I mean, we could read it to the deepest levels to extract some philosophy from it, but this is a manual, a launch pad for psychonauts. Leary said, read it three times before your trip to get anointed. Ideally, if you take out of this book what you're supposed to, you will go into your trip with ego death, so you're not stuck. The book is intended to dissolve boundaries or your preconceived notions. You're supposed to do a little bit of unlearning if you ever want to learn. If you think you learned all the geometry from Khan Academy, you're never going to listen to your ninth grade geometry teacher. you got to unlearn a little bit. A little Platonism. Admit that you don't know everything, B. That ego death, that uh, admitting what you don't know, which is completely necessary if you want to break through to the other side, Leary calls this the rebirth, and that is the point of the psychedelics. It's mind manifesting, starting over. Anybody that's came off on the other end of a trip, it feels like your personality had a cold, and you're just now realizing the symptoms, the side effects that you had. So we're going to be going through those three bardos, the Chikari bardo, the first one, which is about complete transcendence. You're going to be dropping your bodies, ladies and gentlemen. Complete loss of words, grasp of space and time. There is no self. There is no visions. You are pure awareness. After that, there's the Chanyid bardo, the second one, where they say it's like karmic apparitions. This is when the hallucination, hallucinations really pick up, and it's based on your mental clarity. So like we just said, you're not going to want to tell off somebody that you hate and then go drop a heroic dose of mushrooms. Like You need to clear your mind. You have to meditate all that shit out, come to terms with your reality before you ditch it. And then that brings you to the third bardo, the Sipta bardo. 
the longest stage, which is reintegrating, bringing all those realizations back. And you're trying to hold onto as much illumination as possible, like a kid that gets one handful of candy on Halloween. You're going to the psychedelic house, breaking through the doors, and you only get to bring a handful back to your little human form. Leary said, These are the three bardos that you are tuned into during a breakthrough trip, but during the day, just like how you started with sleep, your consciousness throughout the day is rapidly going in and out of these. And not 100%, obviously, but when you're thinking, you're flipping in and out of these channels. Literally millions of people have made this journey through human history. 99.99999% come back. That's the biggest fear anyone's going, but what if it's me? What if it's not me that comes back? What if I get lost out there and I fry my brain? <laughs> Man, that would be super irresponsible, the person uh, giving the drug. That's why these things should be decriminalized so you know you're not buying fucking a tab with fentanyl in it or some bullshit. But, I mean, if you're, um, you know if you're ready is the point. He quoted a doctor in the intro here as we wrap it because he's going to be quoting this guy the entire goddamn book. Dr. Evan Wentz is a neuroscientist, and he sat at the foot of the Dalai Lama for a decade until he reached yogic success. Evan Wentz, this guy was operating on brains at the canon of the sciences, and he left that to go study Buddhism in India. And he came back a yogi, an absolute master of his craft, and said the American science community, the consensus of science that we rely on now, wouldn't really like, he goes, in neuroscience, we don't have the answers. You have to be brave enough to admit and go learn the answers for yourself. So Wentz is going on to say we are straight up wrong about a lot of our neuroscientific models before we blast off ladies and germs if you think these are just chemicals that make you psychotic for a short period of time feel free to tune out no one has a gun against your head but i know you're curious as we all are what the fuck happens at the end of this ride some people have been able to peek behind the curtain and some people have fried their brain to the point where they have lived behind the curtain for months at a time, and they have bought these stories back. Timothy Leary has condensed them. If you're brave enough to douse your mind with these things, they'll bring you the answers that you're looking for. And it might not come in the form that you are watching, You might, but there's always going to be a takeaway for you. And if you've had the experience before and it didn't go right, maybe you didn't clear your head like you said, whether you have experienced heaven or hell, it's your mind that is manifesting the experience. So the real question is... Are we mature enough as people or individuals for this tool? Like I'm saying, you know you're ready. It's really a question of maturity to be able to use these things. Let's do it, baby. The first bardo, the period of ego loss and non-game ecstasy. You will see in all of these cultures, they refer to daily life as a game. I read recently the simulation hypothesis. The further our technological culture gets, the more we start to go, wait, we're on the big VR game. <laughs> Literally, like uh, the forest rights of conservatives are the same as the biggest lefties. Everything reaches around to the same conclusion at the end. And with these religions, one of the big conclusions we reach is that this is all a freaking game. Quote here, Corinthians 9.24, a little Bible action. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. 
Therefore, see, we're all getting caught up in our stupid games. Who has a bigger house? We're all playing World of Warcraft. Chill. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Very fucking deep quote. Just a little three-liner from the Corinthians talking about not wasting your time in the wrong aspects of the game, but it shows you even Christianity will admit this is a game to an extent. So the beginning part is about dissolving the self, realizing that paychecks, cookies, Instagram likes, even orgasms aren't real fulfillment. Those are just like uh, when you get a kill in Call of Duty and something pops up. That's the little dopamine release that you get. That's just one of the fun aspects of the game. There are deeper feelings of ecstasy in this game, though, like knowledge, self-actualization, creation, charisma. That'll take your character, your avatar, a whole lot farther. So the first step, when you see that primary clear light, you're at the moment of ego loss. You will know whether you are um, worthy at that point. And Leary admits even the best meditators, highest gurus, have trouble entering a trip with an empty mind. So it is best to have a higher guru, someone you trust there, someone with a net positive karma, he said. He believes in the karmic forces of the universe. Someone who has the same intention set as you. Set and setting intention, all that very important, comes in deeper in part three. It's all like mind manifesting, I'm saying. If you tell yourself, I'm not going to see the light, I'm not going to make it through, you can manipulate yourself into a hell trip. These are the assertions that you have to make beforehand. And stay with it. Just like life, trips are a giant microcosm for life. Fucking set your goals. It's like people say, like, go back to the fucking reality tunnels. Me and a coworker could have the same exact day, and I could be living my hell, fucking putting my productivity towards some other guy's goal. And my coworker who had the same exact day can see that as heaven. I got to work today. Same thing happens. Your your projections going into a trip. Dr. Wentz described liberation as the nervous system devoid of mental conceptual activity. So it is like uh, you've heard of flow states, theta waves, back to why we sleep. That's what's vibing through your brain when you're able to totally tune out. That's what happens when you're in meditation or when you're on these drogas. Or when a monk or a yoga teacher, when they drop their body, they find, like they've found people who drop their bodies in MRI machines. It produces the same waves. It's accessing this part of the consciousness. When you see that primary light, these all these human thoughts are going to start to dissipate and get quieter and quieter as the, the vibrations get louder. You'll stop all the information processing and become pure awareness. That's the point of meditation. It gets you there quicker. When you're meditating, the whole point is there's all these thoughts flying around. I hated that kid back in elementary school. Why did I give that girl my sweatshirt? All of these fucking stupid thoughts that you didn't even know you had are going to start flying into your head and be like, hey, entertain this thought. Let's hear something to get mad about. It's about silencing that bullshit. And if you're in the geometric landscape floating through hyperspace, there's going to be a lot of noise that you're going to have to silence. It's a practice that you're going to get better at. As you approach the light, some neuroscientists call that Peering inside for the big squeeze. You see this in, it's in uh, like Christian murals about the peeling of the self. 
all of the different layers of yourself come out even in like pop culture movies the Stephen King's one about locking everything away and you see all the boxes unlock one by one best way to describe it Russian nesting dolls but where do you think those people came from I guarantee guy that invented that (laughs) didn't think of it out of nowhere as you approach the light whether you make it through or not you're going to feel all these layers of yourself peeling away it's like the opposite of the birth process you're shedding your form rather than coming into one so there are going to be extreme physical sensations here we're gonna go through dosages coming at the end so don't pause the show and start getting fucked up dosages are extremely important this is why they were killing people in the 60s with mk ultra dosages are going to be at the end for every single substance you're looking for but once you ingest you're going to see the light you're going to have the physical sensations bodily pressure is inevitable it feels like um just feels like a good bodily pulse and that's gonna keep getting stronger stronger so you're gonna get clammy 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 and inside of that is a feverish heat so you're cold to the touch but warm on the inside you hear of meditators who can control their body temperature who the wim hof guy he breathes he just breathes he doesn't do any psychedelics he meditates on his breath and then he's able able to stay under ice water for like five minutes your body temperature is going to be going whack i uh one time um I went by the Boulder Creek in the middle of winter. Boulder, Colorado, biggest hippie population maybe on the planet Earth. These people were doing group meditation, sitting in a circle, probably 20 strong, breathing and chanting. And then their chanting got really loud. I was like, I got to stop and watch what these motherfuckers are about to do. They all got up and ran into the ice-cold river. And they were all screaming, ay like monkeys splashing around but none of them seemed cold they went back without drying off and sat and breathed and meditated more when you're in these states you're getting fucking superpowers man you can turn into flame on what's that guy's name the human torch and then at the end of all these physical sensations you are going to feel the pressure in your head and then in your ears that vibrating whatever hurts it's at that magical noise once that vibration reaches the baseline whatever it sounds like it can't get any louder it will but once it can't get any louder you might drop your body watch like the intro for the doctor strange i used on the last conscious video watch uh, mind mischief annihilation that movie had a good scene from it it's best going to be described in cinema not through me talking about it but you're going to fly out of earth wherever you were you're flying off that couch this is why like near-death experiences people say they see above the room all their loved ones saying their vigil over their body you dropped your body (laughs) you're flying up so you're gonna feel a lot of nausea if you're one for motion sickness here leary says that is controllable with experience the nausea the better you get with going with the flow with relinquishing to the river and floating downstream the less you're gonna get physically ill One of the big pro tips that Leary had at this point when you're feeling all these physical sensations is to have a pre-recorded voice of yourself giving you instructions. All right, breathe through this. You knew this was coming. Just listen to yourself through it. And Leary said a lot of people, most people get stuck in this introductory period. Maybe they didn't meditate hard enough. Maybe they didn't adjust enough of the chemical. But to reach nirvana, to reach that astral plane, you got to blow out the frame. You, whatever you think you're looking through, 
that's no longer your frame of reference. That's how you could tell whether or not you dropped your body, you made it to the other side. And you'll fucking know once it happens. It's going to bring us to step two, the secondary clear light, which is seen after ego loss. You feel a big wave energy flow. That's the body drop, I'm saying. And not everybody, but some people commonly reported you'll float through hyperspace, legitimate space, like stars, dark matter, fucking the Kuiper belt, all of that shit, real space. But it's different for everybody, and it's different every single time. Sometimes you're traveling through the world of the forms, as the Greeks called it. You've seen these videos online, the trippy videos, where it's like flowing geometric patterns. That's could just be another layer of reality or the foundation of the matrix that's being projected. Some people go there when you drop it, when you hit the wave energy flow. Wherever you go, you're going to be floating in space-time somewhere, so just enjoy the ride. At this point, every single fiber in your consciousness is drenched with orgastic creativity. I follow this Instagram artist, Bart Van Hurdum. Just look up that guy, he'll get a good idea of the landscape. It's probably the only man I'd let put ink into my skin permanently. At this point, your spotter, whoever you got to watch over your lifeless form, might be seeing you twitching or convulsing of some sort or even like talking to yourself, but that is a good sign. Leary said you might feel kundalini at this point, which is that ebb and flow of the lower spine. A release of energy, you might get a little horny. You've heard of people that could go into the astral plane and have an orgasm. Leary said the energy is flowing through your ganglionic centers, which I had to look up. It is your chakras, and you feel the flame in your head. That's a very common thing, but that maybe it really is your crown chakra is activated or some shit like that. I talked about I'm pretty sure it was last couple weeks ago. I won't really tell the story of my experience with Riki on the show. Riki and those fucking power crystals. When a girl did her little routine to me, I immediately felt shivers and got an erection at mock speed. As mu- It's like the placebo effect. As much as you buy into these things is as much as they are real. I also got in a car wreck a month after I'd let that girl do that shit to me, so maybe she was a witch and she put a hex on me. This isn't self-actualizing bliss. She was doing black magic. We are reaching the end of the first bardo. You have seen the light. You have felt your body melting, and then you have dropped your body. We are not fully into the world of the forms yet. The preceding periods of spasms and ego loss become less and less until you're back in reality, which will be at the end. But from the top, from the beginning, it's like dropping a ball. And with each bounce, it loses velocity, almost at half the pace. So so not much to be concerned about. The first wave, the come-up, is always the most intense. It's like getting high, like... um. Marijuana, the first time you smoke is always your biggest high of the day, and then you can't get that high. It's that bouncing ball effect, and you're never going to get to these places on uh, marijuana. It wasn't in this book, but he has like a certain dosage for pot where if you take a year off and you smoke, (laughs) he says like a full ounce inside of an airtight vehicle, ideally, and (laughs) never let a breath out. He's saying hotbox yourself into oblivion. That would be the only place to get there on weed. Sorry, 12-year-olds. But at this point of the trip, 
like it's only going to be five minutes that your spotter is going to say that you're gone but you are moving a light year a second and you only have a memory of a memory from that first ball bounce and you have to take your armfuls of enlightenment of knowledge as much as you can with you when you come back that's why the people that are brave enough to go back into these realms and bring that matter back into words for us is extremely valuable should be funded by the government and championed by every human rather than being tricked into thinking they're no-no chemicals these were put on earth by god for us god damn it satan will come for your soul if you demonize these chemicals see how easy it is to talk like a preacher and make certain things sound bad it's just like the trip it's whatever mindset you come into things with and we are fully into the trip that's going to take us to our second bardo, the period of hallucinations. You thought we were in the period of hallucinations? Oh baby, it's only just begun. The second bardo is where we integrate those game revelations. Remember from the introduction how everybody sees this simulation as a game and may maybe it is, maybe we all just forgot how we got here? Well, like I'm talking about bringing as much knowledge back from the sacred realm, the world of the forms, Plato also called it the realm of the good. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty cool place. People that have been here are taking cheats to the game back with them. It's like if we were all fucking GTA characters, certain people go to this world and bring back the cheat codes. These people include, in their works, have cited breakthrough experiences, Socrates, Albert Einstein. This is why this guy wasn't accepted into the consensus of science that you guys all think is real science. It's having the balls to do your own thing and see the unseeable. Einstein, baby. Christ. You might have heard of Jesus Christ. That guy, he stood at the burning acacia bush. He talked to God before he was on the cross. Herbert Hess. Buddha. Steve Jobs. Are these people that we emulate in society? Yes, but for some reason, what got them there <laughs> is illegal. Throw a Buddha quote in there, it's better to be part of the sugar than to taste the sugar. It's probably better to, you know, live your life ignorant, have a nice family, blah, 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 than to try to wake up to these things and break through to the other side. If you have found this show, you are a lost soul stuck in an existential prison like myself. Welcome, everybody. We're in this shit together. Let's try to figure it out together. <laughs> Let's be the sugar together, baby. Let's be the enlightened sugar. We're going to be a white sugar here on Nick's Nonfiction. White power, bitch. I don't like that one, Buddha. You are the conduit for Buddhism. You're acting like the clergy of the Catholic Church who hide the knowledge. They hid. Holy shit, man. Have you ever heard the St. Nicholas story as a mushroom story? You, that's why you see the red caps with the white sprinkles on it. You can go read into that. Solaris Stereot? Solarius, Solartarian, some, it's not the solstice, something like that, there was a psilocybus related name that Christmas was based off of, why else would you take your life's work as a peasant and wrap up presents and give your life's work away to your kids, you would have to be high on mushrooms to think of giving everything away like that, renounce your possessions, Jesus wasn't born with that idea, he wanted to bang Mary Magdalene, at the burning bush he learned it's better to forgive and give than it is to get. 
in this period of hallucinations got lost a little bit there is when you have the ability to bring back the intergame revelations you can be the steve jobs the socrates and figure out some sort of glitch some sort of cheat or niche you can corner in the game so now that you have broken through congratulations welcome to the club you have seen more than most monks will ever make it to. And that's because most monks are anti-drug, and you can make it, apparently, to the river, like Siddhartha said, from just meditating under a tree. But most monks do not report having broken through before. You can get 40 years of meditation in with 15 minutes of DMT. So there are shortcuts, but like we're saying, you might get trapped in the waiting room if you're not ready. (laughs) There's a built-in fucking mechanism to keep the people who shouldn't be there out that haven't done their homework, who haven't meditated first. And so here, like in the first Bardo, is when you're pure consciousness. You have dropped your form. You don't even fucking remember Nick. What is a Nick? There's a million Nicks. You are pure energy. You are your soul, maybe. But in this second Bardo, a way to tell that you are there is that you have a memory of your reality. So you will go, oh shit, I'm in hyperspace and my fucking little monkey is chilling back there on the couch. I remember that little bastard. This is why we're doing it. And so now that you have a memory of yourself, you can start collecting the knowledge that you wanted to bring back to yourself. As we uh, Leary bought up, that this is the, once again, the hallucinogenic phase. So you're seeing lights, you're seeing patterns up to this point, but you're going to be meeting some entities here. You've heard of the machine elves. You don't know what, if these are fucking machines or beings, if they're breathing machines. It doesn't have to appeal to universal physics, like we were saying in the beginning of the show. Maybe life can exist within machines. Have you ever seen, um, it's literally called The Music Scene. It's a fucking pretty good song, too, but it's about humans becoming machines. One of the biggest psychedelic art pieces that gets repeated without collaboration. You and me will draw the same thing if we trip and don't talk to each other. It's a human with a television for a head. Is that what's coming? I've... (laughs) spent days thinking about this would that be the ideal form for human da vinci was obsessed with the fibonacci sequence the underlying beauty and how it is sacred it's godlike the measurement of the man with his arms up down middle maybe the human body is the perfect machine but our faces could be a lot more beautiful so we're gonna replace them with tv so we all look at each other or just play the jerry lewis and dean martin show to each other (laughs) i could uh i know a couple people who i want to give tv heads to there are more beings to come but if you let these machine elves to begin with psych you out you can very well start to sour your trip. Some of the other entities you've heard of, the Joker is like the most popular one there. The Jester, it's more looks like with the fucking bells on the hat and everything. You got the Spoon Man. He'll play the spoons for you to quell you or to distract you from what you're really there for. The Purple Lady, the one that'll show you love. More to come. Leary says choices will arise at this part. So you have a little bit memory of yourself and you'll be able to make a choice with your own human pathology in this realm. It's just deeper levels of revelation you can have for yourself because, again, this is all your subconscious. That's a big thing to say. Like, psychonauts, we're at the middle of the show. The real ones have stayed. 
psychonauts like to think, this is another fucking dimension that we're all going to, bro. But maybe the scientific route would be saying the human lattice of the mind is similar, but to a degree. So we all have this structure of an experience that happens, but with slightly different characters. Our brains are, we're all human. We have the same DNA. That's why we see the same figures, but they'll say different things. You can make different choices as Leary is getting to. You will not be able to confront these beings when you are in this form. You're you're along for the ride. It's not like you're fucking walking around dreamland. You have no body, bitch. You're floating through this realm. You're not going to be able to confront them. If this demon wants to come wipe your face off, he's going to make it very apparent. Another one I like, man. This is a period of hallucination part of the trip. Dan Deacon's When I Was Done Dying beautiful dude and like i'm saying ties in perfectly you're going to have to make decisions the tagline of that song it's the chorus i should have gone deeper but i'm not so brave maybe your first time flying through hyperspace sit back enjoy the show but next time that demon that's eyeing you up that's probably one of your subconscious things that you have been avoiding you will literally have the ability to confront it in a manifested form. These are extreme tools that you can use to help. Or you can just float through, go for a ride. Know what I'm saying? Literally that entire song, it takes you through the Tibetan Book of the Dead from the start of the trip to the end. And then the earth looked at me and said, wasn't that fun? And I weeped out and said, I'm sorry if I hurt anyone. And without even thinking, cast me into space. But before she did that, she wiped off my own face. She said, better luck next time. Don't worry so much. Without ears, I couldn't hear. I could just feel the touch. As I fell asleep soft at the edge of the cage, I should have gone deeper, but I'm not so brave. Dan Deacon, what the fuck? How could you pop off that hard with that song? <laughs> Those lyrics you can listen to a million times will sum up the psychedelic experience. If you try to impose your will in this place where your will means nothing, you could really get lost in a hallucinatory whirlpool. Let the drug, as I said before, it will show you what it needs to. Don't try to steer the ship upstream, float along. Leary says at this point, peace acceptance is necessary. You're going to have to surrender to the optimism. And it's usually easy for most people because as you have the memory of yourself, you realize you're temporarily removed from the world of game. So enjoy it. All of those... I have bills. I need to take my girlfriend out for dinner. I need to pick the kids up. All of that, all of those stupid game things that we put on ourselves here, <laughs> it's um, blissful. It's like some people are never able to stop worrying. And so when you're here, you are not able to worry. If you are still worrying, you're going to be in the deepest depths of hell, which is your mind that you've created for yourself. Leary said, if the person is screaming or gargling, you can touch them. That usually helps. What helps best is putting your hand on the back of their hand, or you could put your head in their lap. Usually signals to them in whatever subconscious state they are. Oh, there's a person here. Stop flailing around. Leary's explanation of this. This is like the apex. Every shape and form a human can conceive is whirling by. Nothing exists except the consciousness that gives you life. So focus on that. Again, him saying enjoy it. Don't try to be the cave explorer your first time. The psychedelic splunker. 
At this point, if you let go completely, you are bordering the truth. Whatever that is. Like, you know when you have a really good realization and you're just inhaled, smiling across your face, your brain, it feels like is firing. I feel like there's a pinball machine when I have a really good realization. That is the feeling that you have when you are there because you know this is the truth. No one could ever tell you otherwise. Like here on Earth, it would make so much sense for someone to sit me down and tell me, you see, you're just this celled organism. You were born to this woman and you're going to die and then you're going to be eaten by worms. And a priest, a mother, a scientist could tell me that. And I go, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. But you always know. Why does it feel like I'm being watched? Why does it feel like I know that I'm fine, that I'm going to be okay, and that I'm going somewhere after this? Because that's the truth. And when you're in that place, you're borderline with the truth. In the second vision he called of the second bardo, is called the intellectual aspect. And he calls this the life stream is flowing. Again, the aforementioned river by Siddhartha. Timothy was reporting, if you go far enough down the river, some people report coming back curing common colds is common or much crazier ailments. So maybe like Christ, who is just walking around, he potentially made it over to India too, they think, in the lost years. But he might have been holistically healing people using some of these medicines. The third vision he calls the fire flow or the internal unity. You're going to be able to merge with some of your old problems type of deal. Everything's throbbing together. Again, that realization from before that everybody is one. I've lived your life. Do you live mine? The Tibetan Book of the Dead. The whole theme of that in the third vision there. We are in the meat of it right now. Vision four, the wave vibration structure. You might be seeing some of the sacred geometry, some of the intergalactic machinery, however you could try to put it into words. Aside from visuals, the sound is absorbed rather than heard. You don't have any ears. You're absorbing all of your senses. The fifth vision is the vibratory waves of external unity. So now it's going outwards. You are one energy packet, but you are letting the consciousness flow outwards. Again, it could be liberating or hellish if you deny it. If you made it this far, you are surrendering. Vision six, the retinal circus. This is some of your last licks, the final reveal. Symbols will change into the things they're symbolizing. Thoughts are music. Your brain can be looked at as like a desktop interface or your entire life. And then Timothy calls the seventh vision, the final one, the magic theater, which is a play of heroic figures, demigods, superhuman spirits. There are some abandoned apparitions, people that got lost in the spirit world. They're stuck in your basement, too. This is when people uh, report, like, my life flashed before my eyes, or I was taken from a single-cell organism to the future of humanity. This is a common part in the what he calls magic theater. For some people, it will produce the wrathful visions or just nightmares. The wheel of ignorance, like Buddha's wheel in the sky is supposed to be for enlightenment. He calls this the wheel of ignorance and disinformation. And it spins faster over time, as does technology. You know, contrast in the universe for as good as there has to be, there has to be bad. Because of all the sheer terror and awe of the figures produced, it might be hard to recognize the patterns. 
but they're flowing into you, flowing through you, flowing out. Fear stops. Rationality stops. Ending this chapter, Bardo saying, if someone isn't prepared, if you don't think they're ready to experience that, any of that, have them read this. It could save them from looping pretty hard or just go into those nightmare wheel of ignorance. Takes us to the third Bardo, the period of re-entry. You will be starting to realize everything was a hallucination and you are safe once again. You remember everything comes back to you. Ideally, you can continue under this perfect enlightenment, but again, nothing. It's not going to last forever. It's like you just got a car wash and as soon as you pull off the lot, all that game theory, your calendar comes back into your mind, all that shit pops back up. They say only people of extreme advanced spiritual development can do this, can stay in that state afterwards and keep preaching the truths. <laughs> but it fades quickly, within minutes. This is why they say, like, write down, have trip notes, but if you're, you've are you dropped your form, it's good to have someone record you or, like, your babbles might mean something in a later light. 50%. Of the trip time is spent in the period of re-entry. So the longer you wait, the more graceful the re-entry. Even if a good trip did go bad, but all well, trips will have good and bad elements, this is the time that you can make sense of whatever difficulties you went through. You think you got to now start doing your push-ups, quit smoking, quit sugar. Do nothing. Stay calm. Be relaxed. Reintegrate. Let everything settle. You got to think it through a hundred times. He says at this time you'll be able to start verbalizing again what you're feeling. Your first words will be tingle. Why am I tingling? Oh, I'm me. He called in general the third bardo is walking down the stairs from a state of consciousness back into the 3D world. He says it's going to take a while. You might open your eyes one time and it's going to look like everyone's a puppet around you. You're halfway back in the world, but just, uh, he'll be fine, man. Just breathe, chill. It's all good. You've heard of, um, like the Massachusetts Salem witch trials. There was ergot in the water. So everyone was tripping their dicks off and they were like, why does my wife have nine faces? How is she making me wake up in strange places or whatever? They had ergot in the water. That's the same thing that's in all these chemicals. And those are the reported visions of demons that exist through Christianity and stuff. Because if you had, if you were Operation Sunset, one of the CIA dosing studies, and they don't let you know what's happening, you would just think you're going crazy and you wouldn't be able to make sense of everything that went down. It's as much preparation on the front end as the back end. You gotta avoid the demons. <laughs> the re-entry visions are gonna be hard. He called this the Sangsara, which the Buddhists refer to as your time to level up. Whatever difficult happened, happened for a reason. Confront it. There were second levels of Asaurus, just some more terminology. This is when, um, like Timothy Leary in the prison studies, when he was able to talk people through kicking their lifelong habits and addictions. It's um, the time. It's a super influential mind, too, there. So you don't want to put on CNN or Fox as soon as you're coming back. You're going to have a candle lit. You're going to have some pan flutes going. Just chill with that. He called some of these judgment visions. So you try not to be judgy. You could uh, spin it to have a positive meaning. But there's positives. So many positives here. Having this experience is liberating knowing there is no devil counting up all your sins. People live in fear their entire lives. 
and it eliminates the fear factor when you return. Larry reported sexual visions will go down here. Maleness and femaleness will become evident to you. Pretty cool how you are. You cannot believe in the matriarchy or you cannot be sexist when you are reintegrating. Leary called it for like 24 hours. There is a post-session personality. All of those things can just go back to normal. You could just slip into all your bad habits again or whatever habits you were trying to change. Nothing will last forever if you don't make it. So take it slow here. Enjoy every second of the rebirth, the passion, all the wisdom, and rediscovering things again for the first time. We are getting to the conclusion here. He called these technical comments about psych sessions. First and foremost, this thing, again, is a manual, so it's meant to be ingested before your drugs are, whatever you're doing, your meditation is done. You probably even looked up on WikiHow how to breathe for, not how to breathe, how to meditate for the first time. I had to WikiHow how to breathe. I have to WikiHow how to poo. I have to WikiHow how to how sometimes. It's June, we're planning trips. You are planning your session. you got to plan your trip out. Otherwise, you wouldn't go to a foreign land knowing absolutely nothing about it. That's the irresponsible stories you hear. People that are just like, Yeah, I'm going to go to Cabo with your fist full of money and try to get all the hookers. And that's the person who buys a sheet full of acid and shoves it in their dumbass face for the first time and ruins it for everybody. Jumps out a window or gets pushed out of one in Operation Wormwood. So planning is absolutely crucial. It is make or break. Just like going on a very long trip, there's personal growth to be attained. I like to refer to traveling, going to a place that you're not from, as a perspective enhancer. That term applies perfectly to this psychedelic experience. Dosages. We promised we would get in so everybody's being safe. Not that I would ever recommend these things. This is what doctors say. LSD and psilocybin are going to kick in from the 30 minutes to 1 hour range and will last from 8 hours to 12 hours. You got to take 2 days off. He's saying have a long weekend. No responsibilities or come to term. Get everything done like a badass beforehand. You don't want to take more than 200 mics your first time if it's something clean for shrooms. He said 5 to 6 grams. Holy shit, this guy is truly a psychonaut. Go for an eighth. Take it easy. Take half. Always take half first. He said DMT. You're going to want to smoke 25 milligrams. That's 15 minutes in and out. 40 years worth of meditation in 15 minutes. Anxious people, he said, can take a small dose of their anxiety medication before. Xanax, I've seen people in college go and take um, these things like all of the benzos in the middle of a trip and it'll cut it out. So uh, he said Librium, because everyone's got Librium lying around. Your plug has Librium, right, Leary? Thorazine is also known to cut the effects of a trip. Uh, They have, like, Thorazine tents in, like, Burning Man and stuff like that. So as much as that planning is with the dosages, with your maps going in, you need the best set and setting. Again, do not have someone that you just told off watch over you. You should be away from all your normal interpersonal games that anchor you here. Especially that'll keep you in the waiting room. You gotta drop all of that. Be in a creek. (laughs) Go out. That's like where those crazy people do. 
you ever seen that Hamilton Morris Vice show, Pharmacopedia? He goes to the middle of the Amazon rainforest and he'll ingest any fungi he sees on the ground. And he like wakes up with his face half underwater one time. He's like, man, I could have died. And you know, the most dangerous thing here is water after all. It's not the message of the show. <laughs> We're giving you maps today. Set and setting is very important. Leary said, any time of day that feels best for you, you're a night owl, do it at 3 a.m., the creepiest hours of the night or in the morning. If you want to hear the birds chirp, you're not going to want to go in with a full belly. Do not have your trip after you took a trip to the vomitorium. You're going to want to have, what, some small fruits maybe afterwards, but... You'll have examined every one of your eating habits in hyperspace, and you'll know on the back end what you're craving in that moment. You don't need to have a friggin' whole turkey in the oven. With the, in the guise of set and setting, your guide, your trip sitter, that is a given. Everybody knows you should have a trip sitter. Um, he said they have, like, a very big influence if they're, like, squeezing your arm. That's not going to be the gentle touch we talked about before that can be helpful. And so don't think of it as, like, your friend's older brother that you bought pot from in high school and he had, like, Slayer playing and <laughs> goat skulls on the wall and creepy shit. The shaman in human history was the most coveted position, the most badass person around the fire. He got to give people a second chance at life. He was the fucking gatekeeper of rebirth. And you saw how that got corrupted now if you wear a silly hat and talk in a funny rhythm in a southern building with a pointy top. You can make money off of gatekeeping enlightenment as well. This is a sacred position, being the shaman, being someone who turns someone on. So Leary says on the front end, again, most importantly, doing your homework, talking to others who have taken the trip, who have been in these situations, is going to prepare you more than you can. Even psychedelic writings from people like Aldous Huxley, he's, you know, the Brave New World writer, definitely suggests that he wrote The Doors of Perception. <laughs> Maybe I've heard of that band. Keep your expectations practical, as you should for anything in life. That'll be a lesson everybody learns. Hard one to learn. I don't know a damn thing about it. It's all about blowing out the frame. And that's how you could change your life more than anything. You could be sober from birth to death. If you just have a positive perspective, change your frame of reference, it could change more than anything. Corny way to end it on. But that's going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, he had some chants at the end, but you could Google it. I sung for you earlier in the episode. That's our psychedelic journey, ladies and gentlemen. Timothy Leary, the psychedelic experience. I appreciate you guys for staying for the show today. Coming up in just two weeks, we have a tiny little pamphlet. If you're ever going to read along, this is the one to do it. I think it's like 14 pages, but you know I could make 14 pages last two weeks here on the show. I could talk for an hour. This book is about, it's like a handbook into free market capitalism. This little motherfucker blows your mind. What is in everybody's pocket? The cheapest item that's made out of five different natural resources, a pencil? How does this thing cost nothing? You could ask the nerd in the classroom and he'll hook you up with one of those ones with the <laughs> the super erasers that you could put on your pinky and act like it's a a hat for a toad while you're supposed to be taking a test 
that pencil should cost a million dollars. People literally used to, in medieval times, pay like a year's wage for a pencil. Most people didn't know how to read. No one knew how to write. Pencils are amazing. Pencils are going to teach us all about free market capitalism and how if you have one person seizing the means of production, see what we're hinting at, it leads to genocides, 1900s, the biggest century of genocide, all because you didn't sharpen your pencil right. You need to listen to this show coming up in just two weeks. Thank you again, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Nick's Nonfiction. Go tune in to Harry Shit on Instagram. We're pumping out the good memes every single night. I'll see you all next time. Peace.